what we try to do in our church is we try to be pertinent with some of the holidays. We don't always get them, but we are going to have a very pertinent holiday next Friday, uh, next Sunday morning, and that is what? What's next Sunday? Father's Day. My gosh, you really should know that because your dad's going to be very upset if you forget. Uh, we're going to have a Father's Day breakfast here. If you're a dad or a male or if you were, if you were born from a dad, which everyone should be here, uh, then you are invited to our Father's Day breakfast. If you're a spiritual dad or a dad, anyway, and that's going to be at what time, Aggie? We didn't decide on it, did we? 9.30, did we say? 9.30, we're going to have a complimentary breakfast here for all the dads and all the men and their families, right? Are we bringing the families? Bring your cousins, bring, your, bring everybody you can, th- neighbor, no, don't do that. Uh, just dads and their families, the immediate families, okay? So, and we will have a complimentary breakfast. And then today, uh, we are beginning, <clears throat> we're restarting our after-church fellowship dinners. So thanks to my wife, who really, uh, what my wife, Aggie, and um, Angelica and the others that are involved with that. We're going to start these every Sunday. We're going to do these again. Every Sunday after church, we'll have a complimentary meal. Um, Complimentary means that you have to give us a compliment when you eat it. All right? So um, just really quickly, we we don't play favorites in our church, but once a month we do try to recognize someone that is just someone that we love very much and has really been a blessing to us. And this person just recently had a very serious <clears throat> operation. And like a couple days after his operation, he just showed up at church like nothing happened. And uh, he's helped us out a lot with just uh, details around the church and some hard work. And uh, so we just want to give this little gift card to Perkins to Tony Purich. Thanks. Come on up, Tony. And just say thank you and just appreciate you know all you do for our church. And we do like to say thank you sometimes. We can, that's what the Bible tells us. Okay, um, if you'll turn in your Bibles, I won't go to Ephesians chapter 3 because basically Ron stole my message. <laughs> he was in here praying earlier and God told him first what to preach before he told me. So God said, well, since you're here first, I'm going to tell you first. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But uh, it's also great to see our friend Aaron is here. He was, uh, I don't want to embarrass him, but he, we met him at... Um, a furniture store when we went to buy furniture, and um, just very honest salesman. I just thought, who is this guy? He's not trying to push stuff on us. And come to find out later, he was a believer. So it's really good to thank. Well, welcome, Aaron. Thanks for coming. And Savitri's husband's here, Philip. Good to see you. We uh, we got to go to that gun show at some point, don't we? That's, it's really good to see Savitri. And little Philip is getting big, isn't he? Whoa, amazing. So. As Philip is amazing. All right. Uh, if you turn with me to your, in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 139, and this is about the love of God, and I'm not going to speak fairly long today, just an hour and a half, two hours. <laughs> Should get it in by then, but no, just joking. I don't really speak any longer than 30 minutes here. People start throwing stuff at me. But if you... Uh, <laughs> If you turn with me to um, Psalm 139, and this morning I got up and just God really, really began to just speak to me and um, just really ministered to me, uh, just um, a, a real unique thought that 
um, I just thought this would be such a beautiful thought to, to talk about this morning. And we've been talking about Ephesians 3, chapter 3, verses 16 through 19, and these are the four dimensions of God's love. We live in a three-dimensional world, most of us. Some of us live in seven dimensions with the way our life goes. But we live in a three-dimensional world, length, height, width. No, wait a minute. What's the three dimensions that we live in? Well, four dimensions are... This is too complicated. If the preacher gets confused about the messages, we're definitely not in good in a good situation. Uh, four dimensions of God's love in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 through 19, talks about God's length, and we talked about that last week, didn't we? That God's, how long is God's love in your life? Uh, John chapter 13, verses 1 and 2, says that God, that Jesus loved his disciples until the end, and the Greek word there means to the accomplishment of his plan in their life. So the length of God's love in your life goes as long as you have breath in your lungs. God's plan is going to be accomplished in your life because God loves us. And that's Philippians chapter 1, that faithful is he who has begun a good work in you who will be faithful to complete it. So we never have to worry about trying to finish God's plan in our life. Now we're going to talk today about the width of God's love and how wide is God's love. You know, that song that we sang that Diana led us earlier in is a song that is a very beautiful song, and I think a lot of us know that song, but did you know there's a second verse to that? You are beautiful beyond description, I stand in awe of you. You know that song that we sang? There's a second verse, and I think it's so beautiful. It goes like this, you are beautiful beyond description, yet God crushed you for my sin. In agony and deep affliction cut off that I might enter in. Who can grasp such tender compassion? Who can fathom this mercy so free? You are beautiful beyond description, Lamb of God who died for me. Isn't that beautiful how music can just communicate truth in such a deep way? When we talk about the width of God's love, when we talk about the width of something, it really relates to the thickness of something. How thick is it? How real is it? How wide is it? how, how, how enduring is it? How is the... Uh, it, breath usually talks about the floor of something, the bottom of something. Normally, when we talk about <clears throat> Christianity, the outdoorsy image uh, of choice for spiritual growth a lot of times is mountain climbing. When you hear a message about the heights of God and uh, maturity, you think about mountain climbing, you see a picture of mountains and you see a guy climbing this mountain with, you know, this very dangerous uh, cliff with all the gear. And you kind of have that, we kind of have that in our mind, the, the picture of Christian maturity. But as we look at the message of the love of God, sometimes we get the, we get the, the, the impression that the mature Christian is on the top of the mountain, you know, and us immature um, Christian wannabes or whatever are on the bottom of the mountain just trying to figure out how to start up. And that really is not the picture. Instead of thinking of growth in Christ as climbing a mountain, you got to look at it as, as a climbing down where mountain climbing expedition gets higher and higher. Uh, 
real spiritual growth is not about climbing higher. That's what Darwin taught. Da- Darwin taught, he introduced actually a theory which has been adopted as a factual um, absolute in our educational system. Darwin introduced the thought of the survival of the fittest. And we see that especially on Route 295 and 495. What are these routes here? 495 or 611. See the survival of the fittest, you know, the nicest car, the fastest car. And that's really not Christianity. It is really spiritual growth. It's about really um, understanding the, the more and the greater depth of the love of God. And so Christianity really is what can be better, best illustrated as really a kind of a descending and a, a descent of humility and brokenness to a place where, well, we see it with Christ. Christ came from the heavenlies and became a, uh, took on sinful looking flesh and became as one of us. And so when we look at the love of God, let's look at Psalm uh, 139. I just want to talk about, this is an Old Testament picture of the dimensions of God's love, Psalm 139. And we can start really in verse 7. Psalm 139, verse 7. And if you don't have a Bible here, uh, we have Bibles in the back. Just take one if you, if you need one, if you'd like one, they're for free. Uh, if you know someone that doesn't have a Bible and that would like one, help yourself or just talk with us. We can get you one. Psalm 139, verse 7 through 12. And when we talk about love, there are maybe seven or eight words that um, are synonymous with the love of God that we find really described in these passages. David said, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and I dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even if your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me, if I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me. Sometimes we find ourselves in very dark circumstances. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day, and darkness and light are both like unto you. That's really beautiful. This describes the dimensions of God's love, that in the sphere of God's love, light and dark are the same. God is not blinded by darkness. You know, the width of God's love speaks about a very practical place where we find ourselves as human beings. And I want to just talk with you maybe just kind of um, heart to heart today. You know, there is there is now in society this big question or this big statement that uh, it seems like a lot of Christians are kind of falling behind in understanding or assessing it or even understanding how to approach it. And this is really, because the Bible talks about every subject, it's not afraid to talk about every subject because it's very secure in itself. But today in our society, we are really, the Christian churches are faced with this dilemma, how do we handle homosexuality and how do we handle the LGBT community? And I think a lot of Christians don't have, have no idea how to handle that, and they want to hide in the churches and just, just you know, go from their house, drive to the church, and drive back to the house, and not even, not even try to deal with this in their in their minds. What is God's attitude towards these people? 
I want to first of all say, if you're listening to this message online or if you're here today, like, that, that, that most people in these communities feel that we are haters, that we hate them. And I want to say that we are not haters. The Bible is not a Bible of hate, and it's not a Bible of judgment. The Bible addresses people for, at every level of their life, and not just LGBT, but drug, drug addiction, uh, um, uh, alcoholism, sexual addictions, different kinds of things that people find themselves in because they are missing one big factor, and that is the love of God, understanding the love of God. You know, we all are probably aware in the last two weeks of um, Bruce Jenner's um, transformation, and a lot of people are just like, there's, some, there's a huge interesting reaction on TV in the conservative world and in the liberal world and whatever world there is out there. And a lot of people are talking about it. And you know, I just think, I mean, I grew up, Bruce Jenner was a hero. He was on the Wheaties box. And, you know, he was, uh, he was one of the world's greatest athletes, we felt, in, in America. But, you know, how does God look at that? Well, I just want to say that, that, um, that God loves this person very much. And... Uh, Changing my life circumstances and my lifestyle or even my gender is not going to address the deep needs of my heart as an individual. People do things because they're looking for that deep love. You know, G.K. Chesterton, and I like his writings. If you ever get a chance, look up G.K. Chesterton. He's a pretty meaty writer. If you like his stuff, it's, you'll understand he's a great, um, a great apologetic of church issues. And he said that every man who knocks on the door of a brothel, is looking for God. What does that mean? Every man that's that's knocking on the door of a brothel is looking for God. I think what that is saying is, is that when a person goes out into the world looking for satisfaction at whatever venue it is, what are they really looking for? They're looking for God. They're not going to find God in the brothel, of course. They're not going to find God at the bar, but they are responding to an inner drive, an inner need that can only be satisfied by God and God's fullness and the fullness of God's love. And so when a person struggles with temptation in their life, we got to come to the conclusion this is that the issue is not that I want to smoke a cigarette or I want to go drink or I want to go do this or whatever. The issue is, is that I want God and I need God and I need to go to God with that issue and say, God, honestly, this is where I'm at. Romans chapter 8, verses 1 says there's no condemnation. And then uh, the book of Hebrews tells us that Jesus was tempted at all points, but without sin. And what we go to God with this issue, we say, God, this is where I'm at. And God says, and we just sing that song, Just As I Am. You know, I love that song. I just say, God, here I am. You know, dirty diapers and all. You know, and, and God, God says, great, I'm glad you're here, and I'm going to transform your life. And you know what happens? is that when people live in different kinds of drives in their life, they get all wrapped up about the symptom and the drive, and they're like, oh, I'm so ashamed that I wanted that, and, you know, I'm, I'm so lost in my life. And then, and then there are these religious communities that shun people. Do you, do you ever hear of the shunning that goes on, this shaming of people? It's just, it is so sad. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus loved publicans and sinners, and he brought them into his circle and he spoke to them, and he didn't just accept their life, but he transformed them, and he gave them something that was life-changing. I want to read something to you that really spoke to me um, 
and I can give you the source later, but listen to this, okay? Just listen to me as I read this. God's love is a wild, passionate pursuit of our hearts. We are God's beloved designed for intimacy with Him. He whispers of His great love and longing for us, but the world's pain, the world's travail and chaos drown out the voice of God. Although life separates us from our true destiny, a deep, satisfying relationship with God, our hearts yearn on. Even while we are frustrated by our earthly journey, fraught with failure and disappointment, we know we are made for something more. We seek an aliveness of soul, a magical moment of romance. Somewhere along life's bumpy road, we begin to resign ourselves that we will never find the romance we desire. We disconnect, forget God's voice is whispering to us, and then we harden ourselves against the disappointment. But we can't totally silence the voice of God's love, and, we, and, and so we compromise by taking to ourselves less wild lovers. Now follow me with this. We get disappointed and we take to ourselves less wild lovers, less than the wild love of God. We seek substitutes that are less passionate, less dangerous, less potentially painful, and in short, give us some form of immediate gratification, some taste of transcendence that will place a drop of water on our parched tongue. This taste of transcendence coming as it does from from a non-transcendent source whether it be an affair, a drug, an obsession with sports, cocaine, pornography, or living off of our own giftedness, has the same effect on our souls as drugs. Because the gratification touches us in the heart place made for the transcendent communion that can only come from God. Listen to this, I'll finish with this. It attaches itself to our desire with chains that, that render us captive. This is the power of addiction. Whatever the object of our addiction is, it attaches itself to our intense desire for eternal, intimate communion with God and each other in the midst of paradise. Now, what is all that saying? It's just saying this, is that you and I have a void. We are born with a void in our soul. And we try to fill this void with many different things. And if we try to fill it outside of the love of God, then the void gets bigger and bigger and bigger. God's love is the only thing that can fill the void. Do you know, I just want to wrap this simple message up with this, that the love of God is something that cannot be mandated on people. As we heard earlier in the introduction, that if you leave the gospel message to human beings, they're going to mess it up. And they're going to, if we leave the gospel message in a way without divine revelation and divine leading and teaching, then we're going to twist it and we're going to use it as a form of control. Yes, the love message of God's love, the message of God's grace can actually become a controlling message. For example, we could say, hey, you know, the joy of the Lord is my strength, right? But we can actually make that a law by saying, hey, why aren't you happy? (laughs) Where's your joy, brother? Praise the Lord, brother, right? We've all had those kind of conversations. We're like, whoa, I don't know if I feel so joyful right now, but yeah, right, you know, praise the Lord. You know, without the Holy Spirit revealing in the inner man 
the love of God in, in Romans chapter 5, verse 5, without that inner revelation, then we're going to be living in a void that, can only, that we can only try to fill with, that's going to try to suck up as a vacuum those things that can only leave us empty. Remember the story of John chapter 4, the woman at the well? She was this woman. She had five men in her life, and the man that she was involved with at that time was not her husband either. And so she had, uh, she had this bucket, and every day or every, you know, a few times a week she would go to this um, well in Samaria. And Jesus meets her there. He's sitting at the well. He knows that she's coming. She comes, she fills her bucket up, and she's going to head back to her house with the water. But Jesus says, give me water to drink. And he begins to have a conversation with her about her inner need, not about her circumstances, not about the five men, not about her addiction in her life, her cyclic addiction with men. She, she was, he was not addressing uh, her. I think some people would look at her and say, oh, my gosh, you know, everybody knows her in town. I mean, you know, we don't talk with her. She's got a reputation. And, you know, if she came through the doors of our church, we'd all be like, oh, my gosh, you know, what would we do? Jesus goes up to her and says, and starts speaking to the inner part of her, and says to her, if you knew who I was and what I'm offering you. And those are two things that he says to her. If you knew who I was. A lot of people don't know who Jesus Christ is. They have a, a, a visual picture of him on a cross hanging there suffering. And that's the only picture they have Christ. They don't even have a, re- a picture of a resurrected Christ. But when a person has a revelation of, the, of Jesus Christ in their life then they understand who he is and then they understand what he's offering. What is God offering? He is offering a love that is so transformational that it transforms not only our inner life but our, our self-image. It, it, it fills every crevice and every crack in our soul. Our greatest need in our life is to understand the deep love of God. And maybe now I'm going to, maybe I'm now speaking a little subjective or maybe abstract, but we need to learn as Christians to get quiet and just be quiet. You know, this church is open during the week. You can come here and pray, you know, uh, talk to Don, get the, you know, he'll, he'll open the door for you. You know, get quiet before God and just have time. If you're a mom or a dad or a busy person working, Just get quiet before God and say, God, reveal to me your great love. And you know what God will do? The Holy Spirit will flood your soul. He'll flood your spirit. And He'll begin to shine into you in John chapter 4, 14. He'll begin to teach you and I the depths of God's love. When we we struggle with temptation or when we struggle with those things that seem to be so inordinate in our life, we need to go to God with that. Sometimes people, um, sometimes little kids struggle with things and they're, they're afraid to tell mom and dad because, you know, the world that they live in, they're like, well, wait, if I tell my parents that I'm thinking this way, then they're going to, like, you know, and some parents wouldn't even know what to do with a child that comes to them with certain issues in their life. A child needs to know above and beyond anything that he needs to know that he is loved, that no matter what's going on in his life, that he's loved. When we look at the love of God, we see these words. Number one, we see presence. God's love is a word that means presence. I love that word, presence or presence. It means that God is engaged. He's present in our life. Sometimes 
we do our details. We're just you know at Home Depot look, looking at screws and whatever we're doing there. And God, we have to, but you know, we and we we kind of just compartmentalize God. Like, okay, God's not in Home Depot. You know, God's in the church, and I'm in Home Depot. God's not here, but God is present. And Hebrews chapter 13 says that He never will leave us nor forsake us. And we know in the Greek that that's a triple negative, meaning no, ne- no, never, no, never. Three times God says, I'm never going to leave you and I'm never going to forsake you. Inseparable unity, the love of God means that we are one with Him and that we're never going to be separated. Um, my dog has separation anxiety. Whenever I leave my house, my dog, she's learning not to, you know, we, we, we tell her things in English and we think that she understands, like, we're coming home with some treats. We, under, we think that our dogs are going to understand that. And our, our dog's like winking at us like, yeah, right. I have no idea what you just said. And we, you know, when we come home, she's so happy. When, when one of us leaves, my wife or I, when we leave for an extended period of time, she gets depressed. You know, we got Rose that watches her and the Rose is a happy, is a great influence in my dog's life. But uh, no separation anxiety. Kids that have been forsaken and neglected growing up struggle with separation. With God's love, there is this inseparable unity. Love means unity. It means safety. I'm in a safe zone. So many kids today are in zones where they don't feel safe. They feel that they are being uh, in school. They feel that they are being analyzed. And all of us that have been in high school, you know, we didn't maybe have cell phones and technology and Internet and web and eat and all that stuff when I was in high school. Um, but we still had the same fallen human nature and when kids are in a zone like in a public school and they don't feel safe then that is a place where it can be very destructive for them they we can know that we are in a safe zone with god a total and complete deep understanding god's deep understanding in our life means that he deeply deeply knows us and he deeply deeply understands us Love between two people means that they know everything about each other, yet they deeply understand each other and the commitments there. I'm in this for thick, and I'm in this for thin. That's the beauty of marriage. Um, Patience. Love means patience. And I'm just basically reiterating 1 Corinthians 13. It means that God's not going to react and fall off his throne when I mess up. God is patient. He's kind. He's not reactionary. And he knows us through and through. I'm just going to finish with this, that the love of God, when we understand that he knows us, as we read in Psalm 139, he knows us and understands us, that just puts us at rest. The heart that, the, the, the heart that does not know the love of God is anxious all the time, is striving, is worried, is performing. This is the great cancer of our modern society that we live in. Performance. Performance. And so... The love of God is really our great, the greatest need in our life, and it's the greatest healing thing that can transform a person. Just like the woman at the well, when she understood who Jesus was and what he has to offer her, she went into the city, and even though Jesus told her one or two things about his, her life, she went into the city, told everyone, come and see the man who told me everything. You know, just a little identification through the love of God makes a person understand that they are totally and deeply understood. And that's the love of God that, that shines into our soul through the Holy Spirit 
and shines light on crevices that we'd be so shameful and so embarrassed to let have it revealed. But when God's love and light shines on it, it's a light of transformation and not a light of confirmation, trying to conform to be please, pleasing to the law. Amen? Father, we just thank you, God, for just your great love towards us. Lord, that it's transformational and that it's wide and that it lays down the floor, the covering of our of the great building that God is building in our lives. We just want to pray that you would just bless each person here and just thank you that each person could be here. We just really pray, God, that you would give us an understanding, a revelation of your deep love towards us. That we can feel safe and that when we are faced with crazy things in our life, we can just go to God with it and pour out our hearts to God because He hears us and there is no condemnation. The Bible says that the only condemnation that there is is in John 3 when a person has seen the light and then just walks away. They're not being condemned by God. They're just being, just functioning in the result and the consequence of a life without God. So Lord, we thank you and we love you and we praise you for this beautiful day. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen.